How are you guys doing? Did you survive this beautiful weather? Um, I have a bone to pick with somebody. Uh, who's ever been praying for a white Christmas? Uh, stop it. Stop it. Uh, your prayer has been answered more than you can imagine. Uh, but Merry Christmas, everyone. Thanks for spending uh, this, this time with us today. Uh, let me pray uh, just a blessing on you and pray over you as we begin here. Uh, Father God, I thank you for everyone that you've drawn here today. Thanks for watching over us and protecting us, for providing for us. Lord, I pray that you would uh, just focus our attention on you. This, uh, this amazing, amazing gift of Jesus Christ that we have. God, I, I want to specifically lift up in prayer uh, those who are hurting, whether it's, it's physical ailments or sickness or disease, Lord. Just ask for healing. I pray for relationships that are strained, maybe relatives that are estranged. Lord, just pray that for reconcil- reconciliation in those relationships, for healing from the hurts in the past. And God, for, for those who are missing someone, maybe the dinner table's a little smaller this year than it was last year, or maybe someone has been gone for many years and there's a lot of hurt and pain that come around the holidays as we remember those loved ones that we have lost. Pray for comfort and peace. Pray that you'd help uh, sustain those people who have, have had those losses. That you'd comfort and encourage them, Lord Jesus. God, we thank you that that you are with us, that you care, that you love us. Thank you that you have a plan for our lives. Help us to step into that, Lord Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Christmas wasn't a happenstance. It was part of a plan that was enacted thousands of years before it happened. After the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, God began his plan of redemption to rescue mankind from eternal condemnation. There was only one way that man could be rescued through a perfect, sinless sacrifice. And God decided to send Jesus to be that sacrifice for us. He would send Jesus through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob a descendant of King David who would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, a Nazarene who would be a light to the Gentiles. He would be hated without cause, rejected, betrayed, silent before his accusers, spit upon and struck, mocked and ridiculed, pierced and crucified, buried in a rich man's tomb. He would ascend into heaven and be seated at God's right hand, the sacrifice for sin, bearing the transgressions of many, and by his wounds, we would be healed. Christmas wasn't a fluke. 
is part of God's plan of redemption. And God told his people hundreds of years before it happened. What exactly would happen? The, the people of God decided that they no longer wanted to follow the Lord. For some, it happened quickly. Others, over a long period of time. But slowly, more and more of them started to walk away from God, their maker, their provider. They started to worship other gods. And God, in the Old Testament, through the Old Testament prophets, warned the people, hey, if you walk away, all of this that I gave you, this, this land that I've given you, this inheritance, the, the, the riches, the provision, it's going to be gone. If you walk away, I'm going to turn you over to your enemies. They're going to cast you out of your home. And you'll be slaves. The people are warned again and again and again. The appending destruction is getting nearer and nearer. It's going to happen. And as Old Testament prophets are predicting this destruction, there's something else that they leave the people with. Even though there's doom and gloom, there's also a glimmer of hope. All throughout these prophecies, these, these predictions, is a hope that God would send someone to rescue the people, to redeem the people, to bring the people back to the promised land. A hope. We've seen this hope the last few weeks. If you haven't been with us, maybe you're just a guest or joining us with family. So glad that you've joined us. You're welcome to, to join us online. You can catch up with uh, where we went through the series here. But here's how this series started and the culmination of it is today. But we started with these Old Testament predictions of what would happen. First, God would send a ruler. God would send a ruler through a virgin to be born in Bethlehem, who would be God with us. That was week one. Week two, Pastor Preston gave a message how this ruler would come through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, a descendant of King David through the tribe of Judah. Then last Sunday, we saw how God was planning on regathering the people. This ruler would be a wonderful counselor, mighty God. He'd come in divine power, everlasting father, which his rule would never end. And he'd come like a father with love and care. He'd be the prince of peace, bringing peace on earth. Now, today, we're going to look at Isaiah foretelling of a suffering servant that was to come. And the people of these days were trying to put these pictures together of what God was doing. This is, 
uh, written, this was delivered 700 years before Jesus was born. 700 years before he was born. Listen to what Isaiah the prophet wrote. Chapter 53 of Isaiah, verse 1. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, here's the servant, grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own. All of us. We've walked away from God. Yet the Lord laid on him, the suffering servant, the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth, unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave, but it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy long life. The Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. Verse 11. When he sees all that is accomplished, by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it, all, make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he, the suffering servant, will bear all their sins. He'll bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. The rebels, you and me the suffering servant, would intercede for the rebels. This is a prediction of what God was going to do for his people. That God would send a man who would be pierced, who would be crushed, who would be beaten, who would be whipped, who would be despised and rejected, who would be unjustly condemned, who be struck down for the rebellion of the people who had never done anything wrong. But he'd be buried like a criminal in a rich 
man's grave. His life, an offering for sin, bearing the sins of others, interceding for the disobedient. That's what would happen. That's what the suffering servant would endure. This man sent by God to bear the sins of the people. That's the glimmer that God left the people with, that he was going to do something. He's going to send somebody for them. And they waited and waited and waited hundreds of years. We talked about last week, how all of a sudden these astrologers, these wise men from the East, they come to Jerusalem and they come to King Herod the Great who ruled from 37 BC to 4 BC, they came to King Herod. They said, hey, we heard a king was born. And Herod's like, what? I didn't hear anything. We came to worship a king, they said. Where is this king to be born? And so Herod turns to the religious leaders and says, hey, where is the Messiah to be born? You know why King Herod the Great did that? Because he knew that the people knew where this savior was going to be born. They knew. And he turns to religious leaders and they tell him, Bethlehem, that's where. You want to find the Messiah? We've been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years and our eyes are on Bethlehem. You want to find the king? That's where you go. It was foretold. It wasn't just some fluke. Let's fast forward to Matthew chapter one in the Christmas story, Matthew one, verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is not a normal circumstance. It was crazy. Even Joseph himself did not believe it. Verse 19, Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man. He was a good guy and didn't want to disgrace Mary publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. He is in, in, in one of the most exciting times of his life, about to get married to this beautiful, precious woman. But all of a sudden, she's pregnant, and he had nothing to do with it, and he's devastated. He's devastated. And he's such an upright man that he doesn't want to disgrace her. So he's just, he just wants this to, to, to disappear. Maybe, maybe he himself wants to disappear. But as he's in the most difficult time of his life, so confused. Verse 20, as Joseph considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David. The son of David part's really important. Why? Because this savior would come through David. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. You see the connection 
from Isaiah 53 to Jesus' birth. Jesus has come to save the people from their sins. Verse 22, all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. And then Matthew quotes Isaiah 7, verse 14, which was once again written 700 years earlier. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. God is with us. Christmas. That's what we're celebrating today. It's not the presents and not, it's not the lights and the trees. It's the Christ has come. We've waited and waited and waited. And why is it so important that the Christ has come? Jesus isn't just another religious leader to add to the list. Jesus is not just a, a way to heaven. Jesus is the only way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. That's what the scriptures say. Why is Jesus the only way to heaven? Because he came to die for our sin. That lamb led to the slaughter. That even though he did nothing wrong, they killed him. But that was God's intent. God sent Jesus to die for our sin. Why do we need someone to die for our sin? Well, I I hope we can all get on the same page with this, that we all have sinned. We've all sinned. And if you think you haven't sinned, maybe just ask your spouse or your mom and dad. They got a couple things that they could share. Right? We've all sinned, haven't we? We've all sinned. And sin started way in the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God made this beautiful creation. Beautiful creation. And he tells Adam and Eve, okay, just, you know, enjoy the land. Enjoy the land and the fruit from the land. But there's one tree in the garden. Do not touch it. Do not look at it. Don't go anywhere near that tree. And just like a little kid, they, they, one day they look at it. And it draws them in. What would it be like if we tried the fruit from that tree that God said not to? Just like a little kid, they step over the line. And just like a big kid, and just like us, we step over, we cross the line, and we sin. And what happened when they sinned is that they used to be in this perfect relationship with God. That God was with them in their presence. And when they sinned, there's a huge gulf between God and man. That imperfect man and a perfect God cannot be together. That the sin is in the middle. That no sin can stand in the presence of God. That's why we, as sinners, can't go to heaven. Because we've got this sin issue. That we can't be in the presence of God. And that's why Jesus comes. 
Because good people don't go to heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. So, so many people in this world, they're just trying to be good enough. Hey, if I do this, if I do that, if I do this, no one can bridge that gulf. Good people don't go to heaven, only forgiven people. So Jesus, he lays down his life. He bore on the cross the sins of us all. And he's the only way we can be saved. I want to encourage you this Christmas to decide what you want to do with Jesus. The wise men were so excited. The shepherds, Mary and Joseph. But not all the world was excited. Some brought him gifts. Some bowed down and worshiped him. Some left everything to follow him and others just continued on like nothing even happened. And we can be guilty of that. But man, the number one thing I don't want you guys to miss is where you spend the life after this death. The life after you die here. Where are you going to go? Two options. One, you pay the penalty for your sin or two, you receive Jesus' payment for your sin. It's that easy. We have to decide. And for little kids, it's easy to decide. We sit them down in Sunday school. Hey guys, when you die, you want to go to the good place or the bad place? And there's only one kid in the class that wants to go to the bad place. And we pray for him. That was me and a few of you. It's easy for a kid because they get it. But for us, there's so many things in this world that distract us and pull us in. The Christ has come. What do we do with him? What do we do with him? Please bow your heads and, and pray with me. And I just want to encourage you to, to make a decision what you do with the Savior. Make a decision. Do you want to receive Jesus? Do you want to admit your sin? God, we are imperfect people and we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. God, we know that if we declare Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. So God, I just pray that we would just get right with you, Lord. That we would, in this, even in this moment now, Lord, that we would just admit that we're a sinner, that we need a Savior, that we would stop living this life of sin and just ask you to rescue us from this dark place that we find, where we find ourselves today. That we'd stop running from you and run towards you. And God, I ask that you would forgive us of our sin that each person here would ask for forgiveness. That they would trust in you as their only hope of salvation. And that they would call on the name of Jesus to be saved. God, I pray that each one of us wouldn't leave this room today, wouldn't continue on with the holiday without getting right with you. God, we thank you for Jesus. The greatest gift ever. Thank you for enduring the cross and bearing our sin. 
this in Jesus' name.